Hello and welcome to another episode, episode 24 of Two Pre-Sales in a Pod. I'm Mark Green, co-host alongside Tom Edwards, and we are very happy to be joined by Ed Baxter today. Welcome, Tom. Welcome, Ed. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Tom. So Great we're going to be talking... Here. We're going to be talking about uh, global pre-sales enablement. Um, we've got all sorts of insights from from happening in the UK, but across the world. Ed, you're joining us from Singapore, so why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely, thanks, Mark and and Tom. And uh, firstly, I'm I'm chuffed to be part of this uh, podcast that um, really has helped enable me uh, enable my uh, my pre-sales team um, uh, on a global basis. So um, so yeah, um, I'm. Ahmed, I, uh, I've been in pre-sales for three and a half years. Um, uh, I have I wear two hats um, for a software as a service uh, provider um, that um, that exists sort of in Europe, uh, uh, Americas, and, and APAC. Um, I look after global pre-sales enablement and also have a, a solution consulting manager hat uh, out here in Singapore for our for our APAC uh, our APAC region. And um, yeah, looking forward just to kind of drilling into the role a bit and understanding what it is and what it isn't, and uh, and finding out kind of. Uh, I know Tom, that's a, um, a role you've had as well, and, and finding out kind of what, what what our differences might be in in our experiences. And I think that's that's such a good question, isn't it? What is pre-sales enablement? When I first started as a solutions consultant in my organisation, we didn't have pre-sales enablement because we were we were too small of an organisation, frankly. Um, there'll be so many other companies out there who don't yet have pre-sales enablement at all um, because it's being done on an ad hoc basis and I think because you only get there once you become a bit more of an established organization the role can be quite different can't it so for you Ed what what do you see pre-sales enablement as well I, I see that I have internal customers right my solution consultants are my clients um, and um, you know I've got kind of senior stakeholders in the management team and, and leadership and so on to uh, to keep track of. And I guess my my responsibility really is to is to deliver high quality content uh, at the right timing a year a year after something comes out is pretty useless and in the right format as well um, in a format that you know I don't have to explain it to them every time they want to actually use it they can consume it themselves and get on with their days um, and and I guess um, what I love about this podcast is that there's a lot of focus on the pre-sale skill side of things because obviously we do sell solutions and help customers solution things and there's a lot of focus on the technology um, but there's a whole other world to being in pre-sale successfully and, and I try to find the right balance between between those areas. That's awesome Excellent. And Tom, I, I know you've you've also moved into, into a role where it's more pre-sales enablement um, and so how have you found that transition into a company where where there's obviously loads of best practices but you're bringing your own best practices as well yeah exactly exactly um it was a role i kind of fell into really pre-sales enablement because because there was a need for it in or in our organization um and ed i want to drill into how you got into pre-sales enablement as well um but you're absolutely right, Mark. You might have lots of best practices for implementing software and you might have, you know, a lot of collateral. But then when it comes to demo skills and demonstrating software and how do you actually interact with clients during the sales cycle, during the pre-sale, um, these are all really, really important things to think about. So that's basically what my role is now as well. Um, but then, so Ed, we, we always talk about people 
falling into pre-sales because it's one of those roles that you don't study at school, you don't study it at university, and people come into pre-sales from all kinds of different approaches, whether that is a implementation approach or product approach or sales approach. Um, I suppose pre-sales enablement is kind of a step beyond that, isn't it? It's very much not a role that you study at university. So how did you come across pre-sales enablement? How did you come into this role? Thanks, Tom. I fell into it as well. Um, I come from a family of teachers. I guess that's the first thing. And the first question after doing languages at university, I had to answer in my career was, am I going to be a teacher or not? Uh, ended up in business, um, joined a company with 11 people in it that became 80 odd people over seven years. And, and I was always in a kind of a slightly new role each year um, in, in that organization. Um, always customer facing, though. And I think that kind of collection of roles was unbeknown to me, kind of preparing myself for a pre-sales role um, at uh, the company I, I work for currently. So my first gig was three and a half years ago, but I, I never lost that passion for explaining things to people. And that seemed not to be sated by explaining our solutions to customers. It, it seemed to, I seemed to need to explain our solutions and how to explain them to, to our colleagues as well. So I, I just sort of started doing it, to be honest, um, in parallel with the sushi consulting role. Um, and then my predecessor in the, the enablement capacity um, left and um, I moved from the UK to Singapore at a similar time and we were looking for a role um, uh, for me and, um, and those two things seemed to, seemed to come together, to be honest. So I didn't plan Perfect. any of it whatsoever, in short, uh, but here I am. That's awesome, because I bet it's a very, in some ways, a very similar skill set, because when you're a solutions consultant, you are explaining your product, a, con a complex concept in a simple way to a client, right? Whereas pre-sales enablement, your customer, our solutions consultant, so, but you're still explaining concepts in a simple way that then they can repeat or they can learn from, right? So do you, do you see that as quite a big crossover? Absolutely. It's, it's huge. And, and I guess one one thing that helps me is I do maintain a, a role in a solution consulting field-based team and the solution consultants I work with in region um, will listen to my enablement call that week and, and say, hey, we, we had that discussion. We were talking about a customer and you've just reused it in the enablement agenda. I, I noticed that and I do. I'm shameless about it. It, it all kind of recycles because it's, it's almost the same set of skills, the same, the, same, the same need. It's just a different kind of orientation and audience. Oh, for sure. And that must make it so relevant for them. And I, and I know that being in within that same organization must give you a very valuable credibility as well compared to um, very, very worthy and knowledgeable external people that come in. It's always this is how it could be done. And then they have to make that leap to apply it to the way that their organization works. Because you're in the organization, you just inherently know the 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 things that are easy the pains the departments that work well with with pre-sales the ones that are really hard to, to communicate with um and so that must be really interesting uh part of your day uh, what would you say fills fills your day what would be the the the, the standard day for you ed wow, if there has ever been a Perhaps, perhaps that's too much of an ask. Well, I, I'm in a lot of calls um, because I think you, you guys covered internal networking uh, a couple of episodes ago, and I thought my head would fall off my shoulders. I was just going, yes, this is exactly because if solution consultants need to be well networked internally, solution consultant enablement folks need to be very, very well networked internally. And I, I think I always, 
I'm, I'm a generalist, right? So I'm rarely going to be the person who answers the question that I'm asked, but I always need to know where I can get the information from and how I can get things done in my organization. And, and I, I can't necessarily define that as a skill, but knowing your organization is, is probably one of those things that isn't explicit, but is quite handy when you're in that enablement section. So um, a lot of calls, maybe one-to-one -one with a solution goods on, an enablement call preparation session, um, a session with the managers in the team um, to make sure that what I'm doing is on the right track and I'm not missing any topics, a session with our center of excellence to, to coordinate on the right demo scripts. All of these potentially could uh, could fill a day on the enablement side and then one or two regional commitments as well um, alongside it. I think you, you put that in such a brilliant, succinct way. You might not be the person who knows the exact answer, but you've got to be the person who knows where to find the answer. And I think that's, that's key for pre-sales or solutions consultants, but even more key for pre-sales enablement. I think that is such a brilliant point. Now, when it comes to the role of pre-sales enablement, I mean, I, I, I know that you and me, Ed, we've come through very similar career paths, sort of through solutions consulting into pre-sales enablement. Um, and I think the actual role of enablement can be very different in different organizations, can't it? I think you might see some Certainly. where they're very focused on soft skills, some which are very focused on, you know, product, technical demos. Some, I've, I've heard of people working in pre-sales enablement organizations where they are simply doing config in the product ready for POCs and building new examples. Is that something you get involved in as well? Well, Tom, um, when I was uh, offered the job, um, um, the person offering me the job phoned me up and said, um, how would you like to configure our demo environment? And that was the job. That was what has become pre-sales enablement. Um, and I, I think where I've been very lucky is that I've had a, um, a, the right platform and enough time to kind of define and shape a little bit how that is. And I'm, I'm aware that that's down, I think, to the type of organization I work for and the people there. And, and maybe if you go in, and I appreciate you work for a much bigger organization now, Tom, where maybe you don't get the same latitude to, to define some of those things and you almost have to fit into a structure that already exists. Um, yeah. But it's it, you really have to know your organization again in terms of what you could perhaps get away with in terms of evolving that role. Um, but um, what happened is I, I took that demo-oriented challenge on, and it was kind of environment governance as well, making sure the various sort of iterations of our demo environment sort of hung together. Um, and as a linguist, um, I knew, I, I think there was a different direction a bit later that, that made, more, made a bit more sense. But um, I reported into the um, uh, sales enablement um, a lead um, globally, and I think that's a that's another sort of takeaway from the pre-sales enablement side. Just be really, really well tightly synced with the sales enablement folks. If you're dealing with topics like AESC collaboration, um, with um, with discovery, all these things need an account exec. We can't just treat them in our own pre-sales bubble and think we've covered them, right? So, um, the guy on the the account exec enablement side really showed me that there was a whole world out there beyond configuration um, that, that really impacted in the in the deal cycles. And um, and then something else magical happened a few years ago, you know, all of this type of activity out there in the world um, on the internet appeared that I suddenly had access to automation tools, platforms to support social consultants and podcasts like this and, and blogs and, and so on. So a big world um, for that. So I was lucky. Well, I tell you, I loved your comment on um, a post about, um, well, that consensus is putting up a, 
um, a demo fest session about uh, when did pre-sales become cool? Um, and I loved your comment that the next big milestone is that you explain your job to your family and they understand. That's I mean, isn't it interesting that uh, I, I, I saw that and resonated so much because it's hard enough explaining it to people in the industry, in the same company, let alone people, either friends and family. So um, I think the more that we talk about it, the more that, the more that we understand it, the better. But I just had to like, say, I love that, <laughs> that, that comment. Thanks, Mark. It's yeah. a, a private joke sort of with my... I start talking about work and my sister just pretends to fall, fall asleep. That's pretty much the private joke that we have. So that's where that's come from. I just wanted to pick up on that other point that you made, Ed, about how there's been an explosion of pre-sales tools in the market. Um, we've seen things like, you know, I, I ran a big project around demo video automation. There are so many other tools that can help increase the efficiency, the effectiveness of pre-sales. And actually, Mark, I, I know that you've been working on this kind of thing in your organization. What what are your thoughts in, in terms of kind of the the new tech that's coming out on the market that can really, really help pre-sales? Well, I think there's two different ways of looking at it. The, the, the new tech that's coming out really helps uh, the running of pre-sales within an organization. So you have products like Viven and Hub and all these that are that are, are trying to understand the activities that pre-sales people do within, you know, to support that revenue generating part of the business. But then there's also tools that support the individuals as well. Um, and we've covered that on our podcast, but there's all sorts of both um, things uh, um, and also software Um that can help the individual be better and enable them to be more effective. Um, I did want to pick up on the global nature of your job, Ed, because a, a while back I went around the world doing um, partner enablement um, on our on our software. This was at a, a previous company. And there was marked difference between the way that people learned, uh, discussed, understood, and then um, replayed and, and enabling them to help their buyers. You know, I went, Hong Kong was different to Mumbai, different to Sydney, different to Tokyo, different to Buenos Aires. Um, you know, they're sort of rocking at 10 o'clock. You know, the training is like an hour in. And everyone was like, well, yeah, we were having breakfast. Well, what's the problem? And so understanding the way that these cultures um, work within even just one organization, I think is incredibly valuable when you try to bring pre-sales enablement to a global audience. Absolutely, Mark. Um, so um, I guess we are very much dictated in the um, the, the sales and pre-sales teams by the way uh, organizations actually buy. That, that defines... Uh, how we need to communicate with them and express our solutions in terms of their problems, and in turn, how I enable those folks on the ground um, to to actually do that. And I think um, drawing back to the internal network point, I, I I think this would this would be very very difficult without collaboration with the regional solution consulting managers who are who are on the ground who do understand all the ins and outs of their own markets because I can't be everywhere. I can only be located in one place and. 
and and I think that's um, that's certainly a, an important thing to foster because at least in, in my experience um, out here in, in Asia Pacific, it's it's a great leveler cultural difference. You know, you you can present the best story led, value driven thing you you possibly want, but if if you're not attuned to the way people are buying and communicating and, and understanding. Um, internally and some of the, uh, um, the the dynamics of organizations in different places are so different, um, you know, and indeed to what helps the solution consultants, I, I just think you're lost. So um, I have no general insights about how to sell in global context. I just I just don't think it's a thing. I think you just have to listen and, and collaborate um, with those folks who really know what's going on in those individual markets and tailor accordingly. Oh, for certainly working with the people in that region i think uh, to in, to help enable them enable themselves and their and and their 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 teams and bring them on board with the purpose of the strategy and then they can help adopt it in a way that suits the people that they work with absolutely and i'm tom i'm interested in your experiences of this but i think there was the instinct on my point to be the my part of you to be the, the point person for all enablement of the company that's what i thought i was but I've come to the realization that I simply can't be and that enablement needs to happen organically everywhere in region and all over the place in order to succeed. But I'm interested in what happens in perhaps a more structured environment on that count. But that's it's been a, a theme. I think absolutely, because you, it's very easy to think I own pre-sales enablement. And then the next thing you know is you're the bottleneck and you are <laughs> you're not enabling anymore. You're slowing down things. So. So it's absolutely key about making enablement organic, as you said. I think that's such a good way of putting it, allowing people to be able to self-serve all the right materials and the documents that they need. Um, when we were rolling out our demo video automation platform, we needed that to be as easy as possible to use for people to be able to equally use it in their own way as well. It's very difficult to prescribe a very set way of working when you've got people working in different markets where the buying process is going to be different. People's business culture is going to be very different. So it's only the people who are working in territory who are going to know that inside out. So it's being able to be flexible enough to facilitate that, allowing enablement to be as organic as possible so that people can work in the way that they need to for their market. But I mean, Ed, you, you mentioned at the beginning, you've actually been a solutions consultant in um, multiple regions, as well as then seeing enablement in multiple regions, right? Yes, yes, I have. Um, so I, I was in the UK um, and as part of that remit, I, I did do quite a bit of traveling in, in Europe, which is obviously a patchwork of different cultures clustered very close together. So I got kind of my first cultural education into how people buy in, in that scenario. Um, and then more recently, I've, I've done um, sort of short stints in, in Australia and India um, in that SE role um, as, as needed, really. So has been a has been a huge education. And um, and I would I'd certainly just uh, my takeaway was just just to listen really, really hard. And, um, you know, you know, you have just briefly, you know, you have um, if you go to a foreign country, you have prices that the locals pay, you have prices that expats pay, and you have prices that the tourists <laughs> yeah. pay. And I, I almost feel like there's some link there um, in terms of you know how you sell um, and what the reception is. You, you just have to listen very hard and, and don't assume you know too much, I guess. That's fantastic. So so when you moved into your like a new territory, so actually when, when you were carrying the bag as a solutions consultant, going from, say, the UK 
to India, you said you've got to listen lots. What what were the biggest changes that you had to adapt to in that case? Um, well, the uh, the profile of the addressable market for us was totally different. Um, so um, countries like India and China, are of course, manufacturing hubs, and um, and and that and there are there are other you know verticals there which are very important, and you have to um, you have to tailor solutions and 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 really to fit those those markets. And 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 terminology is another huge thing. And of course, you're you're kind of uh, you've either got lots of opportunity or or very little, depending on how configurable and flexible your application is to 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 do that dance. Um, ours just happen to have a lot of um, possibilities in it, um, and it's really about trying to pick and choose the right the right solutions to to show up with and building a story around that. Really, um, so that's that's one of the big learnings, at least. I was going to say, then I bet you were able to take a lot of that. I guess understanding of how to deal with different markets that must be following through now in your enablement role because you have lived that you've you've understood what that's like to be what it's like to be a solutions consultant in those different regions. Do you think that's an important uh, bit of experience for pre-sales enablement to actually have carried the bag? For sure, Tom, and it's a, it's a word that Mark used earlier, which is credibility. And we know when we're selling to um, to organisations, we need credibility, and and the currency of enablement is credibility as well. And the the fact that I I do come from an internal solutions consulting role at uh, at this company I work for, I, I do think um, makes a huge amount of difference um, because otherwise I think people feel like they're being sold to, um, albeit internally. Otherwise, by you know, here's how great discovery works. Here's, here's how great this, great that works. Um, so I'm trying to draw in from all these things and and just kind of wrap it up in a guys. I know what you're going through because I've been going through it. Type of type of package. <laughs> just so much you get so so many comments at the back of the room sometimes with why do they. When was the last time they they actually did this? You know, when someone rocks up and said, I've been doing this since before some of you were born. I've been, you know, 40 years ago, I cut my teeth in the hard to fast. So? <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, sure. Respect for the, for the hard slog. But um, how much of it is relevant to today and specifically us? And so thankfully, I think you in a great position to both be uh, have as uh, as Tom said carried the bag yourself but also live and breathe it at the same time that is you you can't buy authenticity like that you just have I to try and keep really everything beautiful. in balance but um exactly. I think if you're doing enablement without that you, you do sort of lose something so it's important to try and keep a toe in toe in the uh, the, the yeah. easy world somehow um so um we'd love to think as as we all know this wonderful two pre-sales in a pod podcast we love actionable insights adam and don would have our our heads if we didn't come up with some <laughs> goods for our wonderful wonderful listeners so uh on the topic therefore of global pre-sales enablement let's go around the room and see what we've got that the those choice morsels for people who wants to go first god tell you what i'll i'll put my hands up i'll go first because when I was in this role, I went through a similar process going from pre-sales into, you know, specializing for pre-sales enablement. Um, and I think I was in a, a bit of a unique position because I didn't have a predecessor. So everything had to be set up from start. So that was, you know, giving pre-sales the right tools like 
ROI calculator, a framework for discovery questions, which were very specific to our tool, which helps them scope. So it, it was all very much from the ground up. Um, and I think one of the most important things, and I know we've we've mentioned this so many times throughout the podcast, um, was demo video enablement, because this absolutely changed the way that pre-sales worked. And of course, I think all the soft skills are, of, of course, so, so important. And all of the trainings around new demo scripts or new demo or new products or new features being released, of course, these are always going to be the most fundamental parts. But what I'd say, my actionable insight is don't forget the process and don't forget the te technology that can help enable that process. Because what I was able to instill by doing this demo video automation project was we put in a KPI that said before every single demo, it must be qualified with uh, an automated self-serve demo for the client. Um, which massively reduced the number of wasted demos. It increased uh, the level of qualification that we had in opportunities. And that, that was a game changer. So actionable insight. Don't forget the actual process as well as the day-to-day enablement sorry that was very long wasn't it that was the longest well, good. That, yeah, but that's value for providing <laughs> extra value there talking of extra value ed <laughs> speechless um i guess i guess if you're someone who is kind of naturally explaining things to people internally you know why not consider an enablement role and then pretend, like stop and think how do things get done in your organization because it's not necessarily you who will become the oracle. Um, it's not necessarily you who will have to do all the configuration of all the demonstration environments, depending on the organization you're in. But I think regardless of the organization, you, you do need to know the people who do know the answers or can access those answers. So I guess um, to enablement folks, you know, do you know your company um, and, and can you get things done? I guess would be the, the one I tell them. Fabulous. Well, I mean, that almost makes my actual more insight uh, not worth it, but you know you're the expert, so I'm glad that you covered it first. What I, I slightly, slightly along the same lines, I would recommend. There is a wealth of information online about you know podcasts, um, but also you know there's forums, webinars, blogs. There's loads of things to help enable the pre-sales people in the way that they they work themselves and and how how they work with customers and buyers. But the key, I think, is to make sure you understand how to convert that and use that and adopt that in your organization. So, um, yeah, I think the actionable insight is to take whatever is out there, but make sure it's suitable and can work and you can actually be helpful um, in your own org. So that's great. Oh, this is this this is fabulous. Ed, Tom, we could chat chat forever, but I think people would run out of battery on their on their phone. Uh, so, with that, Tom, as ever, thank you. Uh, lovely to chat again. We'll look forward to next time as well. Ed, a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining Pleasure. us all the way from Singapore. Pleasure to be uh, here. And um, with that, make sure you tune in next week for an, another exciting episode. That will be episode twenty-five of Two Pre-Sales in a Pod. And with that, we wish you an excellent day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.